2. Now let's look tonight in 1 Thessalonians 4. We um, looked at this last Sunday night, and we're going to look at it tonight again, keeping our vessel, possessing, I should say. The key word is possess. Possess means to get, to manage, to take ownership of, to retain, to not lose control. Possess your vessel in sanctification and honor. That's our theme of what we've been looking at. Let's just read this. Uh, verses 1 through 8. And um, Okay, so let's read this verse 1 through 8. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us, how ye ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we also have forewarned you and testified, for God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us His Holy Spirit. So, what I want to do is spend a little time, again, getting familiar with those first three verses again, and then it helps us to focus on that main command, which I believe is possessing our vessel. Notice in verse 1, we, furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. All right, anybody have any lunch that was very pleasing today? Anybody have lunch that was very pleasing? Anybody want to admit they had lunch that was not so pleasing? All right, okay. <laughs> so, all right. Oh. <laughs> Well, we had some pleasing lunch. We always tease Drew. If he comes over to our house, it just happens to be that we have potatoes that day. And he was happy with our potatoes. So uh, he was pleased with just potatoes. And so we want to please Drew more and more. Maybe next time we'll have like bacon bits and stuff you can put on potatoes. And you don't like sour cream, do you? You're not there, are you? Ketchup was good, though, right? You know? Maybe a steak to go with it next time. We want to please Drew more and more here. With the potato issue. I mean, how more can you do with the potato? But, you know, the Bible says, we just read a verse. We just read a verse that says, yeah, that says, uh, we, that the apostles, what does he say? Actually, he's writing the Thessalonians. He said, remember, you know, we, we, we beseech you, Thessalonians, and exhort you by our Lord Jesus. He's, in other words, he's saying, what we're saying is what Jesus wants you to hear here that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. So when the apostles were with the Thessalonians, they told them how to please God. Now some, okay, and it involved commandments. Verse 2, for you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. 
Now, some of us, with some people, there's a theological mindset that says, you know, that says, you know what? You don't have to do anything to please God. And in a sense, that's true. And in a sense, it's not true. All right? Okay, so apparently there's something about pleasing God that they taught, and it involved commands. So he says, we want you to more and more please God. You know what commandments we gave you? And apparently there were some commandments that they gave the Thessalonians that embracing and doing these commands involved pleasing God. You know what Jesus said? If you love me, keep my commandments. He didn't say, if you want to go to heaven, keep my commandments in the sense of be a good person, keep the law. No, 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 no. So that's why I'm saying there's a mindset that says, you know what, we've been justified, and that's true. When you get saved, you are justified, past, present, future. Your sins are forgiven. You're declared righteous. You're righteous in God's sight. Uh, legally, positionally, God sees you that way. Well, there's a mindset that goes another step that says, well, then I don't really need to do much. I'm already justified. And, you know, it's just like, just worship God, and I don't really need, there's nothing, you know, I don't have to strive to please God or whatever like that. And, you know, in a sense, you're never going to, I can never please God legally, perfectly. But there's another sense where now relationally, I'm t- apparently, Paul said, you, would, you ought to please God more and more. You know what commandments he gave you. So there were some commandments that the disciples, or pardon me, that the apostles gave the Thessalonians that involved, here, God wants you to do this. This is what's pleasing to him. Now, it's not the sense that if I don't do whatever these commandments are, that God hates me and he's going to kick me out of his family. It's just that, look at, look at this way. My kids are my kids. They're never going to not be my kids. And you know what? They like to do little extra things to please dad sometimes, you know. Usually it's when they're trying to get something from me. Though. But still, I like it when they do little things to please me. And, and if they don't do things to please me, I still love them. I still care for them. I still provide for them. I still show them grace. And that's how God is. If, he, if I don't do things to please, to please him, he still loves me, he still cares for me, he's still going to show me grace. So the pleasing God in the sense of salvation and legally, that's taken care of. He's pleased, he's pleased the, 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 the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ and my faith in him, it's satisfied everything. He's my propitiation for my sins, not for my sins, only the sins of the whole world, it's enough. Uh, <clears throat> so, but apparently there's something practically that we should do as Christians to please God. That's what the Apostle Paul says. And apparently it involves commands. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. Now we're thinking, what ones were they that he gave them? We're in 1 Thessalonians. Apparently there was some other time where they gave them commands. Well, whatever these commands were, they probably involved what's saying, what he's saying next, which involved abstaining from fornication. Notice what it says. That for, this is, for we know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. Verse 3, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification that you should abstain from fornication. Now, this is interesting. Paul says, Thessalonians, you should, let's try to please God more and more. You remember the commandments we gave you? This is God's will, your sanctification. You should abstain from fornication. So apparently, abstaining from fornication, that's sexual immorality of all sorts, involves pleasing God. Now, it's interesting when the, the idea of fornication being mentioned in the Bible. It appears to be a Gentile problem because in Acts chapter 15 when the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem were hearing that the gospel is going to all the 
um, Gentiles and Gentile churches were being planted. The Jews were coming together, and they're kind of having this little conference, the Jewish Christians, that means the apostles and others. And they're like, how do we, what do we tell these Gentiles to do? Should we tell them to keep keeping the law of Moses? Should we tell them that, that they need to be circumcised? And, and the answer was basically, no, they don't have to do that. So let's write them. We're going to write them, and it was when they started writing epistles. Let's write them and tell them, you know, abstain from this and that and this bad association and abstain from fornication. And they told the Gentiles this is kind of like one of those main things that they needed to just stay away from sexual immorality because that was a probably a it, it's kind of like it's a, just a big sin and a big problem back then. And so it's still a problem. So here's Paul writing to the Thessalonians, they're believers, and he said, you know what? Let's let's this is your God's will that you be sanctified, you be set apart, you're not like the rest of the world, and it involves abstaining from fornication. And if we're going to narrow it down even more, <clears throat> Well, I should say, say it in another way, and that's how we've titled this. That, verse 4, continuing the sentence, every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Again, let's think about what that verse is saying. Every one of you. Let's, let's pretend we're the Thessalonians. And in a way we are, because we're now the audience of this epistle. It's like Paul saying, hey, every one of you, old, young Whatever your background of language and upbringing and uh, culture, every one of you, married, unmarried, divorced, remarried, whatever, every, widowed, every one of you should know how to possess his, her, he's talking about everybody, his or her, vessel, possess this vessel, not just anyway, but in sanctification and honor. That's our challenge. That's kind of the central thought that I sense this these eight verses are built around is possessing our vessel. I was watching, I, I don't know what it is, the last few years I've been enamored watching kind of like highlights of boxing. And I, I get, I, I'm in, you know, I like to watch some highlights of Mike Tyson and of Muhammad Ali. I didn't grow up watching Muhammad Ali. That was kind of like my parents' generation. Mike Tyson was my generation and several of yours. And um, uh, I liked to watch, and I always thought, who would win? Who would win? Man, look, he's so good. And then, wait, he's really good too. And I always thought, man, who would win if they were both the same, the same generation they fought each other? That would have been the best, you know. But uh, anyways, I, um, but I remember watching recently a few highlights of Muhammad Ali. He was just, I mean, he was so, I, I do not like, there's aspects of each of them I don't like. Mike Tyson was a horrible fornicator himself. And he had a lot of other problems. And Muhammad Ali, of course, he was Cassius Clay, becomes a Muslim, dodges the draft. There's, you know, he's very, very, very um, conceited, you know, and uh, all that. And uh, anyways, but he, but you watch some of the fights. I mean, he's, he's pretty good height. He's got a long, he's got a long uh, jab and, and punch. And, and he was just so confident. And he just kind of, it was really like dancing. He's just floating around, you know. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, you know, that's what he would say. And that's how it was. He'd just float around, he'd just go like this, and he'd look and go like that to his opponent. And I remember, But one thing that stood out to me, I don't know how he did it. He just had it down to a science. He could be at another boxer, and he would have his arms down, but he just knew the guy would, and he'd just go like that, like that. And he just, he just knew just how to just barely get missed. I mean, 
so many times he'd just go like that. And even get even to get he'd get in the corner of the ropes and he'd just like that. You know, he'd just constantly let the guy swing and miss and miss, and he was really good at that. Now, of course, they hit him eventually, and he's been knocked out. But I remember thinking, boy, he knows how to just kind of keep himself composed. And it's not that he never put his guard up and blocked, but he knew how to avoid and protect his vessel and his pretty face. He'd say, I got a pretty face. You know, he'd say stuff like that. I'm so pretty, you know, stuff like that. And um, uh, so he just knew how to do, do that. And then, and then I'd watch Mike Tyson. He's just an animal out there, you know, and he'd go after you and, and he'd, he'd protect himself and then he'd just explode with a couple punches and then an uppercut and just destroy these men that are usually taller than him and just make them look like sissies. It was just, oh, it was incredible watching him box. Devastating. These guys knew how to, you know, keep themselves composed and keep themselves protected. And then you see these other guys that Muhammad Ali was, he had it down to science, but these other guys you've seen, I've seen other boxers where they get in the ring and they get overconfident. And they get fighting and then they taunt their, they taunt their opponent, drop their hands, mm, mm, or they, I seen one guy, I could, you know, it's just, it's one of those things you find these highlights on YouTube and it's, you know, when when uh, overconfidence went wrong or something, you know, and uh, there's a guy fighting, and then he's fighting another guy, and he just kind of turns to the crowd like this, you know, and he turns back, boom, and he's gone. You asked for it, buddy. You didn't keep your guard up, you know, and there's one guy, they've done, I mean, just really, 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 and it's almost like you're setting yourself up for that. Um, the guys would put their face out and go like this, or come on, come on after me, come on after me. And the guy would come after him, and he would, next thing he knows, he's clocked, man. He's on the ground, and he's out cold. Didn't keep his vessel. Dropped his guard. Dropped his guard. We got to keep our guard. Keep, possess our vessel, our, our eyes are what we're seeing, our ears are what we're hearing, how we're, you know, what we're doing with our bodies, that it be holy in our minds. I've seen these others where there's a guy, <laughs> football, they're playing football, and a guy gets a, you know, he gets a pass, boom, he's running, and he beat, he beat the defender, and he's way passing, he's getting to the touchdown, woo, yeah, and he's already wanting to celebrate and do his little ditty dance, and ooh, he drops the ball like that, right before he's, you know, the touchdown's right here, or the goal line's right here, he goes, boom, drops the ball and does his little nah, nah, nah thing. And, and everybody's like, what are you doing, man? You just dropped the ball. You know, and then a defender comes up, picks up the ball, and runs, you know. You see, there's guys that have done that. You're thinking, no, keep the ball all the way, all the way. Even if nobody's around, all the way you get in, keep possession of that ball. Then, ah, okay. Keep possession of it. And that's how we need to be with ourselves. We, oh, we have to always maintain moral possession of our vessels lest we drop the ball. We want to do that. That's what he's telling us to do. He's talking down. He's talking where we're at. So last week we asked how. Today we're going to ask and answer why. How should I possess my vessel? I'll quickly review. We should have an attitude of sanctification. He says, this is the will of God, even your sanctification. You abstain from fornication. Every one of you should know how to possess his vessel, retain, maintain his vessel in sanctification. That means have an attitude of, you know, 
though I'm a sinful body, though I'm in a sinful vessel, God fills it and owns it, and I need to maintain it in an attitude of sanctification. It's set up, excuse me, it's set apart for Him. I might not think much about my, some of us think a lot about ourselves. Ah, I'm really good looking or I'm this or that. But you know what? Sometimes you might, you might think, I don't think I'm that great or, or I have been sinful or I am sinful or I don't think I'm that good looking. It doesn't matter. God owns what you, God owns you. Body and soul, you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's, not yours. So I need to say, well, God, this is for you. I'm going to keep myself set apart from the world, the flesh, the devil, myself. Not because I'm pleased necessarily by it. I may be one day, maybe not, but it's for you. So I want to have an attitude of sanctification, have an attitude of honor. That means you have, you put importance on maintaining your vessel with an attitude that's not like the world. He says, not in the lust of concupiscence, these have the Gentiles which know not God, where there's no, the lust of concupiscence means it's just un, you just dive in to whatever you desire. We don't want to have that attitude of just do what you want, do what you feel. If it feels good, do it. There's been that attitude. No, no. He says, no, we don't do that. How to possess our vessel in sanctification, in honor, not like the world. With respect to another person's vessel, look what it says in verse 6, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter. I need to respect some other person's vessel. This may be referring to a man respecting the daughter of another man, of his brother. And then with, a, with, a, with personal standards, the Bible says that every one of you should know how to possess his. The idea is there's some things that I need to do and keep in check in my life that are particularly helpful for me. I did not want to have an apartment. I'm just telling you, this was a how, how for me. And it's not because I'm super spiritual, it's because I'm super carnal. I didn't want to have an apartment next to a pool when I first got an apartment. I'm like, I don't have to look out my window, there's a pool there all the time. Because the girls aren't going there Sometimes they forget to wear, you know, not be a decent swimsuit, but, you know, it's just, I didn't need to be, I didn't need that. And again, I'm not saying, oh, I'm super spiritual. No, I'm not. That's why I needed to help check myself. So what did, we're talking about how to possess your vessel. For me, I had to have some, some personal particular standards for me, and so do you if you keep your vessel. There's things that maybe you need to do that I wouldn't or we have the same things that are the same. There's one thing that we should all say is, look, in this lewd society, we should all say, zero tolerance for nudity. We know how to turn the button off. We know how to click this off. We know how to go like this. Sometimes you go like this, and you go, oh, i got to go like this, and i got to go like this. Yeah. But that's what we got to do. Have some personal standards like that. Why? Because I want to please God more and more. He, this vessel's his, these eyes are his, these hands are his. And that's what I want to be my motive and not just to be self-glorifying. So how to possess your vessel. Um, I remember I was looking at, um, my wife and I were looking at, we had the CD and it had some love songs, Christian love songs that we had seen and used. I think we had used it for one of the weddings in the last few years that, I don't think it was our kids. It may have been Guy and Beth's or somebody's. 
And we were listening to some, I'm like, oh, I like that song, it's pretty good. Christian love song. Now, again, there's not all Christian love songs are decent, but this is, these, there were some pretty good ones. And it made me look up a, one guy that had written some. And again, they're talking about stuff that would be good for a wedding or whatever. And I thought it was pleasant. And, you know, and Solomon had a love song in the Bible. And I don't think the concept is bad and, uh, of a love song. I think it's good. It can be edifying. And I was looking it up. I thought, oh, that's as good. Oh, that one's a good one. And I started listening to it. And then, and then I saw, well, I saw the YouTube thing. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> the performer, I mean, it was a great song, Honoring the Lord. Honoring the marriage situation there that they were singing about. And then I'm like, but that girl, I, I mean, that, she wasn't, she's just a little exposed there. I'm glad she's worshiping. Yeah. But it wasn't in sanctification and honor. And so God wants us to have that sanctification and honor. So let's answer this question, why? All right, because I think Paul gives us four reasons why. Why should I, Pastor Henry, why should I want to maintain my body to be morally pure and stay away from fornication and have a, a right mindset about sexuality and a clean mind and be, you know, keep myself holy? Why should I do? Why? Tell me why. Well, Paul tells you why. He gives us four reasons here. And here it is, verse 6. The first avenger. There's an avenger in the Bible. Watch this, kids. Verse 6. There is an avenger right here. Are you guys excited? Verse 6, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. Hey, wait a minute. I thought Captain America. What are the guys? Hulk. Iron Man, Thor, Spider-Man, Captain Marvel, well, that, yeah, her too, Captain America, yeah, the first Avenger, the Lord is the Avenger, but he, those don't exist, except in our mind, and in the world of, what's his name, and, and they're fun and entertaining to some extent, God is a, really an Avenger. And we can be on the side of him where he's avenging our enemies. Or we could be on the other side where we're doing something that's against him and he has to avenge, in a sense, our actions. He's the avenger of immorality. Now, it is what it is. It says he'll justly repent. You'll respond to it. He'll punish it. So I want to keep my vessel, and I want to maintain moral purity because God will discipline. Let's just put it this way. God will discipline me if I'm immoral as a Christian. God will discipline me. Um, I've told you about Tommy Gunn, the boxer. Have you heard of Tommy Gunn? I can't remember his real name. He's a boxer, and he was pretty good, and then he kind of declined, and he got AIDS in probably 15, 20 years ago, I can't remember. And um, I, I think he's died. I think he has died. Anybody know for sure? Don't look it up. But anyways, he, um, I remember him saying this publicly in like a press conference. He's like, I got, he announced he's got HIV, AIDS, and he says, it's because, I, because I've, 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 uh, I've been immoral. And he says, I didn't listen to my parents. I disregarded my parents' advice. He may have even said a pastor. I can't remember. But he said to my parents and those who, those who advised me, and I neglected their advice, and now I'm paying the consequences for this. 
And uh, I'm glad he was, that's right, I'm glad he's honest. And now that we don't relish in him suffering for that, but I'm glad he's honest about it. And, um, and you know, God's going to let that happen to some extent uh, in certain ways. The Lord's the avenger. I want to I possess my vessel. I don't want to be on the a side of being chastened here for immorality. Number two, we are called to. Why possess my vessel? Why keep myself morally pure and want to be holy for the Lord? Not my glory, but His glory. Why? Because we are called to. Look at verse 7. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. God is not over in the realm of dirt and sin and saying, Hey, you're all forgiven. Come on over here because you know what? The devil's got nothing on you. It's not going to affect your eternity. You're saved. Come on over here and live the indulgent lifestyle. God doesn't call us to uncleanness. He doesn't call me to anything that's unclean morally. Calls me to holiness. There's calls that we want to take and we don't want to take. You ever get your phone? Oh, Mr. Likely calls me all the time. Mr. Scam Likely. How many of you get Scam Likely call you? Scam Likely. Yeah. I don't want to take your call, Mr. Likely. <clears throat> I don't like you, Mr. Likely. You know? I'm not going to take that call. Nah, bye. You know. But I, you know, there's sometimes I'm busy. I can't take everybody's call here, but I want to take and answer in time everybody's call here. Church family, especially my own family and wife. Um, there's calls sometimes. Ah, I don't want to answer that. Ah, I want to ignore that. <clears throat> and um, but God's got a call on us today. He's calling us to holiness. What is holiness? Holiness is basically like sanctification, how we define sanctification. Holiness and sanctification are living out practically what God has done for me legally. God legally said, you're, 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 in my sight, you're spotless, blameless. My son has washed you white as snow. Colossians says that he's presented us blameless before, before God. That's who I am. He's made me holy. He's made me acceptable. He's justified me. He's, I'm, um, uh, I've been reckoned uh, you know, righteous in God's sight. He made Christ to be sin for me. He knew no sin, but he put his righteousness on me. So God has made me holy <clears throat> legally, positionally. But now when I live out practically what, it, what God looked like before God legally, that's called being holy. That's called being sanctified. And I'm called to live that way called to. It's a must. It's a call I must answer. Why? <clears throat> the Lord is the avenger. Number two, we are called to keep our vessels. Number three, we are <clears throat> to despise this command is to despise God. Notice verse 8. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man. I, you know, I get this, <clears throat> I get this attitude sometimes and I see it in Christianity where if somebody says, um, somebody teaches or preaches, Paul did apparently at some level, um, teach and preach the Thessalonians to be pure, be holy, don't uh, go where all the Thessalonians are, go, you know, be separate for the Lord, don't watch what all the Thessalonians are watching. Be separate for the Lord. Don't indulge in what all the other Thessalonians are indulging. Be holy and be separate for the Lord. Keep your vessel in sanctification and honor and, and uh, live a Christ-honoring life of sanctification and holiness. 
And Paul anticipated somebody would be out there going, oh, he's just, yeah, whatever, Paul. You know, despise that. You're just some kind of holy roller apostle. I don't know what they would call him back then, but I know what they would say today. You're just some kind of legalistic person, and you're just preaching, um, you know, um, your own ultra-conservative stuff. Um, and I'm not saying there's uh, errors in certain corners of Christianity or some things go too far. I'm just saying along the lines of this for being pure, abstaining from fornication and doing whatever you can to do that, if somebody despises that, it's like this. I'm sorry. It's like this. But when we try to have like, um, I mean, I feel like I, you know, when we try to say, hey, let's have um, uh, in our families or in our youth groups, let's have the girls clothed. How about that? And not be revealing or too tight or whatever. Let's have them clothed and let's not let, you know, when we did Bible time activities, the girls, let's, girls, we're doing wet activity, we're dark stuff, you know, and not loose and drooping and all that stuff. Just And so we'd have just some basic standards. You know why? Because we just don't want to have fornicating minds. And so we, we do that. And some people, oh, you guys, you just have all these, you're going to make the girls wear skirts to activities on everything all the time. You know what? Don't, don't despise that. Don't have a despising attitude. If you do, you're not despising man. You're despising God who's interested in sanctification and honor. God's interested in that. Now, you can have different standards at different levels, but my question is, are we interested in being morally pure for God, not for self? And are we interested in keeping our vessels in sanctification and honor? And if we despise that, you're not despising me. You're not despising a Baptist thing. You're despising God. We're in the interest of not maintaining an image of being Baptist or this or that. It's saying, I want to please God. <clears throat> um, and then why? Well, to despise that, to despise God. Why else should I want to possess my vessel in view of sanctification, in view of being holy? Why should I want to do that? Last of all, because God has given me the ability to. Look what it says. He therefore that despises, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also, this is good news, hath given unto us his Holy Spirit. God's given me a, God's given me a, a, a little boost on being holy, practically, by giving me his Holy Spirit. I have God's Holy Spirit. You do. You have God's Holy Spirit. So I have a coach in helping me to live holy. I have a com the comforter. You know what I mean? Jesus says the comforter is going to come to you. And that means he's like a coach. And he's the Holy Spirit. He's going to help me be holy in this filthy world. In and of myself, of course, I am unholy. And I need a helper. So I want to live. I want to possess this vessel in view of holiness because I have a helper. The Holy Spirit helps me. I'm so thankful for that. It's a blessing. See, it all goes back to God gets the glory for all this stuff. Um, when I was in, uh, when I was a kid, we had an, my dad rented an ATC one time. No, he borrowed an ATC. Anybody know what an ATC is? Three wheels. It was a bad idea. <laughs> Three wheel, it's a, instead of a quad, it's a, Three, yeah. 
bad idea. It wasn't, didn't have good stability on some areas. But um, now you have quad. So it would be like a quad with three wheels. So we had an ATC. We went up to, I thought it was Workman's Creek somewhere, went camping. And um, we had our little campsite. And uh, it was fun. I love that. We were by a little creek, had a little campsite, had the ATC. And it was like me having a horse. <laughs> and I was like, I was probably, see, after this message, my kids are like, Dad, can you take us out on the quad? I'm like, yeah, and I have to after this. So I had, a, we had the, had the ATC, and it was like having a horse. I could just go out. Mm. Honestly, there wasn't that much open space. I had to go back up on the gravel road and kind of, I could just drive around a little bit on this gravel road that was around this mountain and just kind of down the way off the side of the road was our little campsite in the creek. And I loved doing that, going around on the AT. I wasn't crazy. You know, I, I was learning this thing and I was going, driving around on it. And I remember, I remember going, again, I think I was maybe, I don't know what it was, nine, ten, I can't remember. But I'm driving this thing, and I remember going kind of around a corner. I'm going like this, and I'm going, and I wasn't going ultra fast, but apparently a little too fast, because as I'm going around this corner, I'm sliding and sliding and sliding, and I, it's like my hand didn't change the speed. I'm sliding, and then it goes off this, um, it's not a cliff, but it's just like a hill, and there's trees, and then pretty soon it's the creek right down there. I'm still sliding, sliding. I'm like, ah! And I let go, and I, I bailed right at the end. And the ATC goes, and when it started doing that, I went, Mom! I screamed. I don't know if I said Mom, but I screamed, and Mom showed up first barefoot running on the gravel. Seriously. I went, help! I don't know what I said. I just went, screamed, you know, and this thing, and because I was I'm like, I messed this thing up, you know. I screamed about that. And then went all the way down. Doo, 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 doo. And I screamed. And mom, I remember seeing my mom running down this gravel road barefoot. Looking back, I'm like, you know what? She did have calluses on her feet, so she probably was okay. But um, she was, and dad had to catch up, you know. And you okay, Michael? Yeah, I'm okay. I wrecked the ATC, you know, and. And um, they just, she's like, okay, she just thought something bad happened to me. And then dad went down there and, and we pulled it out of the creek. And, and the only thing wrong with it really is just the handle. It was pretty resilient. Just the handlebars bent and that was it. And he was able to bend them back up and it was fine. But, uh, and then I, when I drove it again, I was very cautious, you know. You know, listen, sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes we, we can get off track in this area. Being of being morally pure, fornication. I've told you this. Pornography is a huge problem. I don't want to talk about it all the time. I really don't. But it's a huge problem. We need to recognize it. We recognize that we are the object of invasion. And um, we keep our guard up, possess our vessel. But my analogy is sometimes we've slid and we've uh, got off course. And I'm just saying we can get back up on course if we've messed up. You know, we have a God, when we yell to him, he comes running every time. Faithful and just. I'm glad for that. And he comes running, and the next time we get back on our bike of life, we just need to proceed cautiously and keep our vessel, keep maintain our direction 
I'm so glad when Jesus met that woman uh, caught in adultery when they brought her to him in John chapter 8. It's a beautiful story. It's such a beautiful story. She, she's, these hypocrites, there's kind of two messages there. These hypocrites, these Pharisees and these Jews, whatever, they bring her caught in the very act, which is weird. They should have snagged the guy too while they're at it. They bring her to Jesus and they test Jesus on, is he going to choose, is he law or grace, which is he, you know, and what do you say about her being stoned? And then Jesus ignores them, writes something in the dirt. Pretty soon, whatever he wrote, they're all convicted. They go out one by one from the oldest to the youngest. They're convicted by their conscience. And he thinned out the crowd right quick that day by whatever he wrote down. Because they got convicted. And I'm sure she was convicted by this time, too. He stands up, well, where's all your accusers at? Hath no man condemned thee? No man, Lord. Oh, it's beautiful. And he says, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. What a beautiful story. Here's a woman who messed up on everything we're talking about here. She got convicted. She got confronted. She got cleansed. But she got challenged to go another route. He didn't say, well, you're, I don't condemn you. Have a wonderful life. He says, neither do I condemn thee. Go you don't need to do that anymore. Go and sin no more. I love that. And that's the kind of God that we have, is the God that can <clears throat> cleanse us from that. Of course, that's salvation. But practically, when we've messed up as Christians, he can deal with that too and say, you're better than that. I've called you higher than that. Go and sin no more. So back to the thought, we want to possess our vessel in sanctification and honor. The devil's against this command. The world's against this command. Your natural flesh isn't going to go with this command, but if we're surrendering and following God's Holy Spirit, He is going to help us in this command to honor Him with our vessel. Let's pray that He will help us. Let's pray tonight.